Jeff Minnell of The Hollywood Reporter called this movie one cattle drive you won't want to miss. Roger Ebert of the Chicago Sun-Times said, There are so many ways this movie could have gone wrong that it's sort of astonishing how many different ways it finds to go right. And of its sequel, David Anson of Newsweek said, I kept wondering how the filmmakers mustered up the energy to go to work every morning. On this episode of Ruined Childhoods, we determine the fate of City Slickers. Which one will it be? Greetings, Starfighters. It is time for another Ruined Childhoods. And I am one half of your hosting team, Mr. Dan Wiener. Mr. Dubs, as they call me in the halls where I teach at a high school. <laughs> Makes more sense uh, when I'm not doing and this. Hey, I'm John Richardson. I am the other host of the show. This is Ruined Childhoods. It's uh yeah. It's it's your favorite source for information and ideas about prequels, sequels, reboots, remakes, reimagining movies. Uh our and our input. Yes, and to be clear, and our it ideas. is also a celebration of film no matter what yes. you think of these films. We are just here to talk about the fact that they existed. We are not here to critique them. Um, because, and, and Dan, I, I have a question for you. Because oh. it, this is not a pop quiz, don't worry. Anybody who listened to the last episode okay. is aware that sometimes Dan's going to get a pop quiz, but not right now. So I became interested in movies and I became a movie watcher. I mean... Honestly, it's because of you, Dan, because you were such a big movie watcher. And <laughs> yeah, what else was I mean, you are what, six years older than I am about. And it's like, yeah, I pretty much just had to do whatever you and our brother Scott were doing because I was the youngest of the three and I just had to go around mm -hmm. to doing whatever you were doing. So clearly you watched a lot yeah. of movies and you um not only loves going to movies, but also watching movies at home, um, recording them off of TV yeah. and in watching them later. Like we watch so many movies all the time. And I just want to know what got you interested in movies. I mean, I remember, I remember actually when I was very young, going to the movies was, was, kind of was scary for for a period of time like i didn't the lights going down the darkness the big thing well there were i remember when we lived in our in our original family home in in westfield new jersey uh some you know neighbor kids kind of putting ideas in my head that um you know, oh, if you go like going to see Star Wars on the big screen is really scary. Like Darth Vader is really scary on the big screen or like, you know, E.T. is really sad. So, uh -huh. in fact, and 
our our father is more than welcome to uh, send us an email at runechildhoodspod at gmail dot com if I'm if I'm remembering this incorrectly, but uh, I I have a, a recollection of him taking me to see E.T. and this would have been sometime I don't know if this was in the the original release in eighty two or I I think they actually like re released it in in eighty three. It was. I was very young, and I threw. I threw a fit. This is probably why Dad stopped going to the movies um, <laughs> until the seats started to recline. I hear um, he really liked the I, movie Rocket Man. Just oh, did, that's yeah, what I, I mean, hear. No, he does. Oh, okay. I haven't spoken to him about it. I'm hoping to see it. I'm hoping to see it this this upcoming weekend. Though I'm pretty sure Shaft is also coming out, and. I, you know that might be another story for another time, but I'm, I was a big fan of of John Singleton's uh, John Singleton's reboot of Shaft. Yeah. So going back to uh, and, your interest so, in yeah, movies, going back, to, yeah, I know, I, I yeah, little tangent. So I just I think it just started with watching. I mean, probably watching HBO and uh-huh. not be not being very athletic as as a kid and kind of not not really having like you know ha- having a few friends but not really having the f- friends that were getting that I was getting out of the house to like mm-hmm. run around and do stuff with and yeah so I just felt like for watching movies it was this great escape and it was all these it was all these great things like I used to love like one of the things I loved about Star Wars originally, which was probably the first movie I was ever obsessed with, was that all of these things that were so imaginary were so real. And in fact, it's kind of it's kind of (laughs) what what I think I fell in love with about that is actually part of the reason why I, I feel like I'm less entranced by by movies these days, at least by like, you know, big blockbusters the the type of you know the type of movie star wars Mm -hmm. was and like raiders of the lost ark was they're less thrilling to me because i think they feel less real right it's like everything needs to go to the extreme we need to spend every penny of the budget and it's actually it's something i've appreciated about a few more recent films that have done um that have used more live, like we talked about it with live for your die. Yeah. Hard, we talked about this in the last episode, I, think, I believe just how yeah. a lot of movies are speed. using a lot of practical effects lately. And that definitely yeah. puts you into it a little bit more. Like baby driver. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So things, so things like that. I just, I appreciate that tangibility. I mean, it's like how you don't need flashy special effects or editing to make an enthralling car chase scene because the French connection did it in what, 1974. Mm -hmm. And it's still like, that's still kind of the, the one to beat as far as, yeah, as far as it really defined as far as car chase chase sequences are. Yeah. Yeah. It's the benchmark. But so, so yeah, I guess it was that making, the fantastical tangible and dark crystal another another movie we talked about mm-hmm. last time dark crystal was a big part of that as well and just seeing what could be done in cinema 
with, and I hadn't really been introduced to live theater yet, that, uh, that was, you know, that would come a few years later, but it never really, it never took the place of film Mm -hmm. for me just because of everything that, everything you could do all the possibilities that you could do. It's what, it's what made me, when I was like 14 going on 15 and saw clockwork orange for the first time and just felt, wow, all of these elements, all of these things are being put together and working together in a way that no other form that I'm familiar with can do, or that, that was what that was me thinking that in like 1992, yeah, looking at a movie like that, which which took classical music and made it futuristic and to and had these strange milk bars and um, all these weird things that were like throwbacks, but they were quasi futuristic and like Blade Runner, right? Like, like a movie that I fell in love with a little later, <laughs> but. You know, just to see the the that fully realized vision, and it just is it's in front of you, and it's real. It's you know, it's alien. It's like how you can hear the you know, you can like you can hear the saliva b- dripping down from the alien's mouth, right? And it's believable. It and even all the way back to 1979 to to the original Alien. So I feel like cinema just has this this power when it's done right. It can it can kind of transport you to another world and show you things that you maybe didn't think were possible at its best. Well, there you have it. I was just curious. And that was a a very um, thorough answer. So I appreciate that. Oh yeah, it's wild no, my, to me to I, think of I, I, thing that there was a time in history when you didn't like going to the movies. Oh no, yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I think kind of terrified, but and that's I mean, I remember I could tell you the experience. I remember seeing La Bamba, summer of '87, and I was so, ter- I was so terrified of seeing the plane crash. Right. That when they, you know, when they took off and like, like they flip a coin and Richie wins the coin toss and, and it's like, oh, okay, this is going to be the flight. I left the theater. Did you really? I wa Yeah. Huh. Yeah, I did. Because there was, well, also there was a, there's a scene earlier on where Richie is having, he has this dream where he's like a kid and he sees these two planes collide right. And I thought that we were going to see like two planes collide. I didn't know exactly. I knew it was a plane crash. Uh-huh. So I thought I was like, oh, he's he's having that dream because that's what's going to happen to him. But I remember being ter- kind of, uh, yeah, I didn't I didn't want to be in the theater for that. But <laughs> so, John, interestingly enough, both your question, the lead up to your question and my most recent comment about La Bamba uh-huh. bring up a memory that I had today. Okay, And. It was a movie going memory and it really connects to the idea that you as a child really just had to go along with whatever else we were uh-huh. doing or seeing in the movies. And it made me think and and it actually tied back. So yesterday. So my daughter, uh, Chloe, graduated preschool yesterday and and 
very proud of her. We all Congratulations, are. Congratulations, Chloe. And um, so at her graduation, we were talking to, you know, uh, another uh, couple that we're, that we're friendly with whose daughters was also graduating. And we asked, oh, you know, what are, what are you doing? And, and it's funny because they definitely like have taken their kid to see movies that, I mean, Chloe has not been to, we took her to the movies once and the projector broke after oh, five right, minutes. Yeah. So yeah, Mary Poppins didn't quite return that day. Um, <laughs> so we hadn't, we hadn't like Chloe hasn't been to a movie at the movie theater at this point, just because of like, what are we going to take her to? Meanwhile, like this other kid, you know, uh, black saw black Panther when it was out. And so the pair and, and the parents were saying, they're like, well, you know, and of course they're, they're being sarcastic. Well, cause we're great parents, you know, our daughter really wants to see this one movie. So we decided we would take her. So she's going to see Godzilla. <laughs> and it, it, for a moment, I really hoped I was like, I hope I don't have a judgy face because I flashed back to the summer of 1987. Sure. And I flashed back to the afternoon that we all went as a family. Yeah, I'm four and years you old. Were, you were four years old and we went to see Spaceballs. Yeah. <laughs> and after seeing Spaceballs... I remember we went to McDonald's and when we were at McDonald's, there were a couple of other like kids that you were in nursery school with and their parents were there. <laughs> and these were not like these kids did not have older siblings. These kids were not going to see Spaceballs. So when they were I remember them talking to mom and mom send us an email at runechildhoodspod at gmail.com if I'm remembering this incorrectly or this never happened. But I remember these these couple of parents talking and, and mom was, oh yeah, we just went to the movies. And they're like, oh, did you go see, I remember Snow White, there was a re-release of uh -huh. Snow White. So, oh, did you go see Snow White? And mom was like, no. Oh, Benji the Hunted? N no. Oh, what'd you go see? Spaceballs. <laughs> did I go up to them and say like, oh, I, I see your Schwartz is as big as mine. And then everyone freaked out. <laughs> No, that I'd remember. Yeah, right. Uh, but I just I remembered like the the judgy faces, which now of course that like I'm like, please don't let that be me, uh, because like I yeah right. She's not watching Spaceballs anytime soon. No, she wouldn't Chloe. understand the, the Chloe, she wouldn't understand yeah. the jokes. She wouldn't sit for five minutes <laughs> of it. True. As soon as she would see all the reading at the beginning, she would just, no, she actually has been enjoying um, learning to read and we've been, we've been working Well, on how that, very so. wonderful. Too bad this podcast isn't about your reading daughter fundamental. reading. It's about movie remakes and reboots and sequels and prequels. <laughs> uh, I've got some news bits, but we'll, we'll blast through them quickly. Uh, yeah, I've got I've got some news bits. We might have the same news bits. I don't know. What, what do you have? They are remaking Scrooged with Kevin Hart. That's one of them. Yep. Um, <laughs> yep. There, uh, there's there's news that uh, Sigourney Weaver as well as um, Bill Murray and Dan Aykroyd will be in the uh, Ghostbusters movie that comes out next year. So Sigourney Weaver says that she's very excited to be getting a chance to work with them again. And so we'll see how 
that all shakes out. Uh, the other thing that I okay. that I'd noted, um, and this isn't it, it's it kind of fits into what we talk about, but they are doing a uh, a prequel television series on NBC um, based on the Dan Brown Da Vinci Code novels. So Langdon, I believe it's what it's being called. So um, it will follow young Robert Langdon during his early adventures as the world's most prominent uh, symbologist. Um, and mm-hmm. that, yeah, so that's from Slash Film. I got that. So that's what I got. Did you have anything you know, different or was it wow. all just uh, Scrooged? No, I saw... I- I saw the bit about the Scrooged remake and I was kind of, I, I wanted to know more. So, um, I'm, I'm kind of, I have no judgment until I know more, like who's the create, what's the creative team, uh, the original directed by Richard Donner. Well, it's so Um, interesting because Scrooged is a, an eighties take on a Dickens tale. Like and so this is a 2019, 2020 take on an 80s take on a Dickens tale. Like how exactly or, or is it just like we're going to take the ideas well, from Scrooged and just reuse them and, and update them a little bit more? Well, I guess the I, the question is, is it a remake of Scrooged or is it a new adaptation of A Christmas Carol in the spirit of Scrooge, like does how similar is it going to be? Is it like Kevin Hart is just he's an executive who like has lost all, you know, emotion and humanity? I, I mean, it, a lot of it translates, honestly. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's it's kind of like where does a Scrooged remake like what what really makes it different uh or is it i mean is it just a christmas carol like a modern christmas carol because that's what scrooge was like what do you really do with it um i'm reading the there's an article (laughs) on slash film about it and there's Uh really nothing about the new one it's just talking a little bit about the movie scrooged uh with bill murray but um i guess we'll just have to wait and see I guess the one, you know, kind of the one context, like real world relevant context that it's referred, that it's that I've, you know, that I think it gets tossed around in that conversation is kind of in the in the political realm. Yeah. Not any not just saying, you know, there's a lot of politicians who, you know, have started uh, politicians who who possibly started on on that road, like meaning well and wanting to do to do right and to represent people and along the way get get lost much like um frank cross and in, in scrooge he you know he's he's a, he's definitely he has some you know he had the the father who really had no connection with him right. and he was in front of the tv the whole time so but how do you yeah i guess what do you do to to readapt it, how how similar do you make it in tone? Mm-hmm. So there's about there was a lot of like Scrooge that, and I think it's partially the Danny Elfman score that's kind of reminiscent of of it's it's Burton esque in some yeah, ways. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Well, anyway, let's move on to uh, let's move on to City Slickers. 
City Slickers. Yes. One uh, of my favorites. Dan, how good is City Slickers? City Slickers isn't good, John. It's great. Uh, and City Slickers 2, Legend of Curly's Gold. What are your thoughts? Eh, not so great. Not as good. Uh, so I... Uh, just to give everybody a little synopsis of each of the movies, um, City Slickers is about Mitch, played by Billy Crystal, who is turning 39 years old. And at the age of 39 is pretty much directly between Dan, where you are and where mm-hmm. I am. <laughs> so uh, I feel like we're kind of at the perfect stage in our lives to talk about this. Although in terms... In terms of of the early '90s setting, thirty nine seems it may as well be fifty two. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's got like two. They're not grown kids, but they're like. Are they both tween slash teen? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so so Mitch is turning thirty nine years old, and he's in a bit of a slump. He has this job where he uh, sells ads for a radio station, and. You know, it's kind of like he used to be really good at it and really passionate about it, but has really lost it and doesn't really care so much anymore. And his quality is going down and, you know, his home life is just kind of like not really where he wants it to be. And no one's really happy. So for his... He's lost his smile. He's lost lost his his smile. smile. He's lost his smile. Uh, hello, smile. Where are you? Uh, so basically his, his two best friends, uh, played by Daniel Stern and Bruno Kirby decide to, uh, go on a two week trip. Just the three of them. They go on, they go on these trips. They, the movie actually opens with them during, doing a bull run. Um, right. Yeah. So they decide to, um, to take a trip for two weeks to do a cattle drive. So it's basically just working with people uh, kind of in a Wild West situation, uh, yeah. driving it's cattle. Like ra- it's like cowboy cosplay. Pretty much. And you have uh, the other people who are there are like essentially Ben and Jerry, but by different names. Yeah, uh, yeah they're ice cream making brothers. So... They, um, so it's them. And then we have a father and son dentist team. Yeah. Uh, yeah. we have a woman who uh, was supposed to go there with her like girlfriends, but they all bailed. And then, then it's just her, which is, uh, an interesting development. Um, is she not going, going through like, what was she not engaged or it's been some time since I've seen it. Um, the Helen Slater character, right? Right. Yeah. So was it that she was supposed to go with her friends or that like, was she supposed to go with like a boyfriend who cheated on her? I thought it was friends, but I could be wrong. I only just watched it the other day, but I still could have completely gotten that wrong. Not important. She's there by herself. She is a a single lady and um, has caught the eye of, uh, of pretty much everybody else that's there. So they are going to do, they're going to just have this adventure there. It's this company that kind of you, you pay them just to go on a little wild west adventure on horseback. Well, you pay them to, to herd cattle for yeah. them. Well, you but pay the thing them is, to work for them. Well, this company, what they do is this cattle is there for them to just go back and forth between their like two locations. 
there's really not much point of it until the end, and we will get to that. So, you know, he's kind of being a, a grouch about it, but as time goes on, he warms up. He actually has a real bonding moment with this very surly, old, grizzled, leathery cowboy named Curly, uh, played by Jack Palance, who won his Academy the Award for this. Academy Award winning Jack Palance following up his roles in Tango and Cash and Batman. Right. That's right. That's right. Um, Cash, Tango, Tango, Cash. (laughs) And uh, he famously did his his one arm push ups at the Oscars in his acceptance speech. Um, That was the best Oscars, by the way. That you was think the so? best Oscars. I, I think it was the best Oscars. I remember, first of all, actually, I remember um, the year before when Billy Crystal was hosting the Oscars. He, I remember he rode onto the stage in uh, on a horse. Mm-hmm. He, rode, he rode in on a horse to promote City Slickers because the, the previous Oscars were just a few months before City Slickers came out. I remember him getting off the horse and then taking out a like a, a car remote to like lock the alarm with the, with the sound <laughs> effect and everything. Yeah. Oh, so Hollywood he, in the early 90s. And you know what? That was a time when the Oscars were, it was in a lot of ways, the Billy Crystal show, it, you know, because yeah. he hosted, he was kind of like the host for such a, a big chunk of the 90s. And he did so many great, like when Jack Palance did the one-armed push-ups and Billy Crystal just came out after every break and introduced a new, like, you know, Jack Palance is currently orbiting the Earth or Jack Palance is running the New York Marathon. And it was, it was so great how that, how that one thing that that Jack Palance just did, I guess, to prove that he's, you know, he was in, in shape. Yeah. Um, it it really set the tone for a lot of the jokes the rest of of that night. But I remember, I mean, that was just, th- those were the movies of 1991, which City Slickers, uh, as far as box office goes, was the number five grossing film. But that year was Silence of the Lambs, uh-huh. JFK, Bugsy, um, there were some other like other fantastic movies that your Cape Fear. Um, so like, yeah, City Slickers was definitely in in good company and to end up winning a uh, best supporting act acting Oscar. Uh, quite sure. an accomplishment. Yeah. And up against all of those very heavy movies um, yeah. where the Oscars is just like so well known for favoring the serious movies over the comedies and Jack Palance, but Jack Palance was not the a he was v- like the straightest of straight men in that role, and he um, really had an impact. Even though he was only on screen for a, sh- a short period of time in that movie, he kind of shows up a little later, and then he he dies, and there's still so much more movie left. But um, just going back to a a brief synopsis. So during the course of time when uh, Billy Crystal's character, Mitch is with Jack Palance's character, Curly, they have a real bonding moment about the meaning of life. And then there's a, um, a cow that is pregnant who can't make it any further. So Mitch has to then deliver the calf and that's a really cool moment. 
Um, yeah. It really kind of puts everything into perspective for him. He names the the um, the calf Norman, and Norman becomes becomes like his Norman. little like right hand. I know, and it's so wonderful. And it's like the way that he nurtures this young animal um, is is really really beautiful. And yeah. over the course of time, uh, he really finds himself, and he you know you see him really just coming out of his shell, and it's a it's a really truly beautiful movie in the sense that like you there, the, the, the amount of character development is really tangible. Mm. I don't know. You, you have to give a lot of credit here to the, the phenomenal screenwriting team, Lowell Gens and Babalu Mandel. It's the names that are so fun to say, but they also do write some amazing movies. Dan, do you want to list some of their credits? Oh, absolutely. Splash, Parenthood. Uh, let me see what other Ron Howard movies they, they did. <laughs> um, they they wrote for. I remember they wrote for Happy Days. Yeah, uh, back in the seventies. Um, City Slickers. Uh, they were involved with City Slickers too. We'll let them off the hook for that one. <laughs> I think Greedy was another one from the nineties that that they were involved in, or at least one of them was was involved in um i'm i'm sure if i if i think of more maybe kindergarten cop might have oh, been that, a, a that sounds a, a right gansdell production oh boy um but the, uh so they wrote this with billy crystal um I, he's i i read that he was very involved in the writing process at least and quite a few uh, real uh, true stories from his life actually sure made it into the, the script yeah yeah the whole thing where his like Mom calls him every year on his birthday at like the minute he was born and tells the story of what it was like giving birth to him and the whole the whole story. Mm-hmm. Um, well, that's one of many things that pops up from Billy Crystal's real life. Uh, so let's see. Uh, City Slickers. A League of uh, Their Own. A League of Their Own. Oh, I did a League of Their Own. Of their own. Um, they did A League of Their Own. They did um, Multiplicity. Oh, boy. Father's Day. Forget Par- a lot with with Billy Crystal. Sure. Um, father, did they do Analyze? No, they did not write Analyze This. Um, oh, w- let me. Vibes? Vibes. We've talked about Vibes before. Good luck finding it anywhere. Jeff Goldblum has successfully scrubbed it from history. Apologies um, to Cindy Lauper, who may yeah. have enjoyed having that movie, but Jeff Goldblum, yeah. maybe not so much. No. So, uh, but so yes. Yeah, so then City Slickers 2, The Legend of Curly's Gold is a very different tale. Um, at the end of City Slickers, Mitch, Billy Crystal's character, uh, has Curly's hat. And at the beginning of City Slickers 2, he discovers that inside the hat, there is a map that is allegedly leading to a treasure. So he gets his, uh, what's up? Uh, Legendly, as it is the legend of Curly's Gold. Dan. Oh, Dan. So then uh, he gets uh, Daniel Stern together and they um, go to the library and look at the microfiche to try to figure out some stuff about the map. (laughs) And sure enough, uh, it's like a Western Pacific train robbery from 1908. And there's this guy's name in it. And when they find the picture of him, it looks just like Curly, which makes sense because it's an old picture of Jack Palance from like when he was in Shane. 
Yep. The first movie Billy Crystal ever saw, by the way, and the only other time that Jack Palance was nominated for an Oscar. There you have it. See, I'm not just here for puns. (laughs) Oh, I thought you were. Okay. Time to rethink this podcast. Uh, So they uh, decide to set out on a, a treasure hunting expedition, but... The wrinkle is that they have to go with uh, Mitch's brother. What's his name? Glenn. Glenn, played by John Lovitz. Uh, Bruno Kirby did not come back for this one, but uh, the he was kind of replaced by John Lovitz, which is such a odd swap. They are yeah. very, very different actors. It would be, you know, it would be fine if it wasn't so obvious that John Lovitz was there to replace Bruno Kirby. Not Mm -hmm. that like this was a story development that was actually called for. No. So Glenn is Mitch's brother who is kind of a deadbeat. Uh, He just kind of like shows up and is always asking for money and, you know, kind of screwing up opportunities that are given to him. And uh, so they are going to be going on a... Uh, to a conference in Las Vegas for their work in radio by uh, in between uh, city slickers and city slickers, the legends of Curly's gold. A year has passed. Uh, Mitch is somehow manager of the station. Like he has gotten like the biggest jump in career that anyone's ever seen. Um, And, he has employed Daniel Stern's character who was fired from the supermarket where he was working <laughs> because uh, in the first movie, the supermarket where he works is owned by his father-in-law, but he cheats on his wife and impregnates a younger woman. And surely enough, that all goes to hell. So now he is um, kind of doing a crummy job working at the radio station. So the treasure map happens to be at a point that is about 25 miles north of Vegas. So instead of going to the conference, they just go up north to uh, try to find this buried treasure. And they happen to uh, come across along their way, Duke, Curly's twin brother, played by Jack Palance. Because why not? It worked the first time. It should work the second time. And... I'm not going to go into too much detail about it, but they go on a a treasure hunt that ends up being not real treasure. And, uh, you know, it's, it's more a story of brothers bonding than finding yourself in middle age. Yeah. Yeah. Not as, not, not as meaningful. I felt that city slickers to the legend of Curly's gold what it, it it was kind of like the i don't it's it's kind of like that t-shirt that you get when and it's really you know when it's new and the colors are really vibrant and then you wear it and you wash it over and over again and it's kind of like it's the same t-shirt but it's like kind of faded and it's just not as good or fresh or as original city slickers too is that t-shirt after quite a bit of washing <laughs> There's still there's some there's something there to enjoy. There's still the the charisma of of Billy Crystal, the um, the chemistry with with Daniel Stern's character. 
the, you know, enjoying Jack Palance and his um, kind of odd couple chemistry with with Billy Crystal. But it's it, I, I it's just a, a big kind of feeling of been there, done that and been there, done that and liked it m- more. <laughs> yeah. Like the, uh, yeah. There's just no there's no, uh, you know, the 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 Lowell Gans, Bob Lou Mendel scripts tend to have a really deft combination of of humor and poignancy, emotion, and, and real life, like, you know, things well, that- parenthood that we, especially. Oh, yeah. 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 Well, parenthood, as far as I'm concerned, as far as like combining like comedy and, and pathos, it's a masterpiece in that. I, I would cons- don't disagree. So, I mean, it's uh, just sometimes, yeah, sometimes it's like, oh, now it's time for the sad part. I'm going to skip. But like with Parenthood and with City Slickers, the it, it all blends together. It's not like, OK, now it's time for the serious scene. It just all you, it weaves very naturally. Yeah. Well, in City Slickers 2, The Legend of Curly's Gold, uh, it seems to me like there are a lot of uh, uh, moments that are built and kind of written backwards to support a bit. Uh, one example would be when um, they're they're at the kind of like general store getting supplies and everything, and you know they're talking about what they're doing, and and the townies are basically like. Well, just don't make sure you don't you you watch where you're going to the bathroom because you don't want to get like bit by a rattlesnake on your ass. And sure enough, at a certain point, Daniel Stern's character is about to go take a dump behind a rock. And it's kind of like you see it coming from a mile away. And sure enough, he bends down, yelps, looks back. There's a rattlesnake and he's kind of. And, you know, he's he's begging either Mitch or Glenn to suck the poison out of his ass. And what we then discover is that actually he sat on a cactus and he just had a little. Ah, yeah. So it's just kind of like, all right. There that took up a lot of time to have that bit and it's really unnecessary. It doesn't really drive anything forward. Um, and, and you know, there's. And- Go ahead. And just I'm contrasting that with a bit like in in the original City Slickers when when the you know it's their first morning and Mitch comes out with the the coffee grinder. Oh yeah. And and he's you know he thinks he's all clever. That's one of those where it's like I you know like that's a it's a it's a bit but it it just well, blends it it's natural it, what it happens, happens organically what happens as a result of that so basically he comes out in the morning he's has a coffee grinder he's like well guess what guys i've got a special treat for you and he grinds the coffee beans that makes all the cattle go crazy and it, it tears up their whole campsite uh it pisses everyone off and then Jack Palance and Billy Crystal then have to go on their own to like bring them back. So it's like that is the impetus for getting the two of them alone together. So it's, there's it serves a, purpose a purpose behind it. It serves a purpose. Um, and yeah, those things were just kind of lost in City Slickers 2, The Legend of Curly's Gold. And I don't know. You know, there's there's a lot of other things about City Slickers 2 that I don't love, but this is not a podcast about trashing movies. 
This is a podcast about celebrating the fact that they exist in the first place. The joy of going to see uh, a movie, uh, perhaps in the theaters, and and just being (laughs) uh, enraptured by the whimsy of it all. And (laughs) John and I both have young children, so the joy of going to see a movie in the theaters is a lot more rare nowadays than it used to be. So, oh yeah, it. I don't know if anyone can really. Oh, I'm sure there's plenty of people who could understand the the joy that I feel when it comes to like going to see a movie in a theater, especially like by myself, just to like be there. It's just such a nice sensation. <laughs> I went to go see what did I go see? I saw The Long Shot recently, which I liked. Oh, very I much. saw that. I lo- yeah. I liked that as well. And it was a situation where I was by myself and I was sitting in the theater, and then it started playing and going, and I had a moment where I was like, Oh no, I hope that it's not so loud that it's going to wake up the kid. And then I was like, Oh, wait a second. I'm in a movie theater right now. I have had that experience. Yeah. I have, I've had that experience. Definitely. So Dan. Yeah. What would you do with the city slickers property? If you, you know, six shooter to your head. What would you do? <laughs> oh, boy. Yeah. Um, let's see. So it, it, I think that City Slickers, it's different times now. It's different when you're, you know, most 39-year-old men are not, uh, especially those living in New York City, d- you know, do not have to grown or like tween teen children and like dealing with with midlife crisis um i think that that the original sets up an opportunity and this is just fortuitous casting that in the original city slickers this mitch's son is played by a young jake gyllenhaal making his his film debut yeah yeah so I think the idea that, hey, like, you know, we have this actor who's now, you know, pretty well-known, well-respected. Maybe one of the biggest actor. actors out there, biggest stars. Def- definitely. I mean, and and he can, you know, he, he can definitely handle a lot as far as genre goes. Uh, he's 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 run the gamut. So I, f- I felt like, well, let's see if Jake Gyllenhaal or that character right now would be in his late, you know, approaching 40. Yep. Um, and maybe that character is kind of is going through some, you know, major, major change. And it might not be the midlife crisis that Mitch goes through at age 39, but it could be, you know, his, his wife is pregnant and there's a baby on the way and he's, you know, he's he's playing Billy Crystal's son. So naturally, there's some neurosis involved. And, you know, he's he's stressed out. He you know, he's he's worked up about, you know, work. You know, that that's one thing that doesn't change is people kind of being dissatisfied with work. So right. you could you could have that situation for him. And then on the other end of it, you've kind of got his father, Mitch. And now maybe Mitch and you know, Mitch is like 70 or early 70s. And. Maybe he's retiring. Like he's also like that's also a, a pretty significant trans- transitional phase mm-hmm. in yeah. in life when you know retirement and you know the the so called twilight years 
and it i i think it would be i think it just kind of makes sense to have them you know at the city slickers ride again or city slickers last ride hmm. and have you know kind of mitch and his son have this moment where they're you know they're talking they're bonding and and mitch is like you know what i know what'll i i know what can help and and jake gyllenhaal says what what is it and mitch goes one thing oh, holds yeah. up his finger cut to you know the the sweeping planes of wherever there are still sweeping planes in this country yeah so uh curly when telling uh mitch that he knows the meaning of life and he what he does is he holds up his his index finger and goes it's the one thing and, it, and it's like you have to figure it out on your own so yeah. um yeah but you could have, I think, you know, there's enough time where you could actually have some callbacks to the original without it being, oh, we're repeating the original. Naturally, mm-hmm. you're not going to have Curly come back. Jack Jack Palance passed away some time ago. Uh, but you you could have a similar, I mean, now Mitch is, is really, you know, the older one. So, um, but you could have somebody else with that life experience who puts things in perspective. Maybe it's a, you know, maybe it's a veteran, maybe it's a younger veteran, uh, you know, a, I don't know, a Michelle Rodriguez or an uh-huh. army hammer. Um, and you know, you could, you, you have people, you could have people come, you know, be, you have other people joining them. And it's also, when city slickers came out, it was kind of like a, Oh yeah, go and be on a dude ranch. Like this is a thing you can do. And I, I feel like that's, there's less opportunity for that now. Uh-huh. So I could see a city slickers, a, 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 a hypothetical city slickers three kind of, um, I don't know, paying tribute to that the kind of fantasy of, you know, of, of frontier America and that, that, that fantasy of, you know, going out and getting what's yours and staking your claim. And, uh, you know, that, that so-called American spirit that, you know, that's kind of been lost the, uh, like the, the hard work. Um, like I think it was, uh, um, who was it who said that that people have grown people have grown so I think it was John Steinbeck who said something about like, you know, um, people getting soft, Americans getting soft. And mm. um, I mean, he said that long before city slickers. But right. I think it would be I, I think it would be a really something nice. And I mean, right, like right now, America is a, you know, especially conflicted place and especially divided place. And I think that something like this that could bring people together for one, for one purpose, for one job, maybe it's herding cattle. I don't know. Maybe it's something else, but something that brings a cross section of America together in search of, of, you know, what that one thing, mm-hmm. I guess, or in search, uh, you know, just in search, I guess it is in search of that one thing because everyone's really out there looking for something different, whether it's to find their way in life, to have one last adventure, to, you know, just have, 
time away where you're where you're not distracted by any of the modern community. I mean, man, imagine all you could do with 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 smartphones now on. Yeah, well, uh, they find a way. So in City Slickers 2, Legend of Curly's Gold, uh, the cell phone is is a thing. It is present in uh, modern society. So that's <laughs> the way that Mitch is able to communicate to his wife back home that, you know, uh, he is in Las Vegas. He's lying to her. And then once, uh, that cell phone breaks, that's when the, the mm-hmm. jig is up essentially. So this is kind of building up off of, off of that. <laughs> um, I'm imagining, I'm imagining like at the beginning of the, of the trip or something like whoever's in charge, um, like takes their phones or something like right. that. And you have J- Jake Gyllenhaal's character, like, you know, no, oh, wait, you know, I have to, you know, f- finish sending off this last email. And well, if he has a pregnant wife also, then it's kind of a matter of like, uh, kind of need to be in touch. Oh, is that yeah. okay? Um, yeah. But then I know you just have like, she's staying with, with a friend or her mom or her, her sister. Sure. So, yeah. uh, Something to kind of build off on uh, from from what you're talking about, and you're you're talking about kind of uh, the American journey and the the frontier of Americans, and something that should be considered, especially if doing something these days. Uh, it would be pretty bad to not bring up indigenous peoples uh, who you know they were here before everyone else. So, you know, now it's become more of an issue where it's like the frontier is, you know, colonialism and it's, it's taking land from people who, you know, rightfully owned this area and, and Westerns have always, you know, portrayed things in such a way to kind of shoot down quite literally the, uh, the, the native people and, that has painted this this image for so many people what the native people are like and it's like they were fighting for their land and they were fighting they you know they were protecting themselves so it's kind of like also an opportunity to kind of right a wrong and acknowledge yeah. that a little bit well and and setting this you know having a, a um you know 2019 2020 set film would allow that whether it's in whether it's embodied in you know maybe it's Jillian Hall's character who is you know is is kind of reminding his father, like like you know I don't want to take part in anything like that this is what these people were all about that's what yeah. they did but it, i mean i think so I, I it would be a good opportunity um and you could also do this with with other characters i think having um you know a, a character of you know native american of Native American ethnicity and culture sure. would be, you know, could be really interesting having them along saying like, you know, I, for whatever reason, it's like, I want to fulfill this. Like, this is the trail that my, you know, my family, right. My family had to walk from our land 
to the reservation when we were displaced in 1857. Yeah, that, that'd be pretty fascinating. So, it's, but you could have that discussion where it's, you know, where, where you have kind of the older school people being like, ah, you know, it's not, it's, it's more about the fantasy and, and the playing. And, you know, then you, really it sets you up for a response and be like, look, your fantasy was my family's nightmare. Yeah. Oh man, things just got real heavy here on Ruined Childhoods and for City well, Slickers 3. <laughs> but it came along naturally in this very spirit of a classic Lowell Gans Babalu Mandel script. Absolutely, as things are meant to be, not so much the gags and goofs in City Slickers 2, The Legend of Curly's Gold. No, um, no, the humor and the heart. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, so so my thought, <laughs> unless you're you're still... You have still more to say for your suggestion. No, I was laughing at the idea of, of like a Lowell Gans Babalu Mandel t-shirt that says humor and heart. I don't know. Oh, okay. Well, I'm just, I'm, I'm chortling at my own imagination right now. Uh-huh. Okay. What else is new? We can, I'm sure that, okay, how about this? When we release this episode on our Instagram channel at Ruin Childhoods Pod, we're going to put together some, uh, Lowell Gans, Babalu Mandel memes that will not be funny to anybody but us. So that's, look you out. know, we, we think this and then we, we encounter people who, you know, French Fry Phil has a jar of ticket stubs. Yeah. Shout out French Fry Phil. Um, yeah. So I'm, it's not just us. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, I just wanted to go over my thoughts about, uh, what we would do with this, because I feel like there's a little bit of overlap in the way I was thinking and the way that you're thinking. Um, I th- I think that it's only appropriate to have it be centered around Jake Gyllenhaal's character. See, I kind of want to look up real quickly uh, what the character's name was, so I don't just keep on calling him Jake Gyllenhaal. Um, It'd be funny if it was just Jake Gyllenhaal. Yeah, right. He plays Jake. It's like, oh, wonderful. That's makes things a little bit easier for me. It's imaginative. Uh, okay, actor, City Slickers, Danny. He played Danny Robbins. Danny Robbins. Yeah. So, Danny, in uh, in in my third iteration of the city of City Slickers, uh, plays a um, the owner of a health food company. And let me give you a little bit of background to how I came to this. So we we talked about um, in city the first City Slickers how Mitch uh, helped give birth to this wonderful uh, calf Norman. City Slickers 2, we see that Norman is a year, it's a year later, so he's a year older. Uh, he is living with their family, and he's part of their lives. At the end of City Slickers 1, he comes back with them, but it's kind of like, yeah, but we'll, you know, have him go off to a farm somewhere, something like that. But nope, that's not what they did. So Danny has grown up with this calf. I. Uh, he has learned what it means to be uh, sympathetic and empathetic to animals and uh, has kind of devoted his life to become a little bit more of an activist. So he has a health food company, but that doesn't really help much with his, um, his family, his family life, because it's not a lucrative business. Uh, so they're kind of struggling financially, but an opportunity comes along from a company that is a a major like a cheap meat manufacturer 
And uh, what comes to mind is like Tyson Foods, who, um, you know, they bought out and I, I'm I should have researched this. I did not. I'm pretty sure that they bought out the company Field Roast, which makes uh, vegan meat analogs, burgers, um, all sorts of stuff like that and, and sausages. And they're really, really good. But then it's good stuff. Yeah. And Tyson bought them out. And, you know, it was kind of bittersweet because it's like, well, now they have more money and they can extend their reach and they can be more successful. But now by purchasing their products, it's supporting this larger company that's not so great. And uh, for anybody who doesn't know me personally, I am a bit of an animal rights activist and I I, I kind of have this connection, so there's going to be this thread throughout my idea for City Slickers 3. Um, but it, yeah, it's, it's definitely a trend now for companies who have been uh, major meat manufacturers or meat sellers uh, to introduce these meat analogs. Like Burger King has the Impossible Whopper now with the Impossible Burger. Del Taco has Beyond Meat, uh, Taco Meat. Uh, so it's it's a thing and it's, it's a business decision. And um, so that's why I thought that it would be appropriate for a company like that to be uh, purchasing Danny's company. And mm-hmm. in my story, they, to celebrate the sale of the company, which is about to take place, they decide to take uh, Danny on a like a celebratory, like getting to know each other, bonding cattle drive. Uh, and of course, Danny is like, oh, my God, this is crazy. You know, my dad did this. It was such a big thing for him. Um, clearly, he's having conflicting feelings about what he's doing, but knows that it's he's doing it for his family. And on this cattle drive, you know, I don't have all the details. I'm not Babalu or Lowell, just putting that out there. Um, But he kind of uh, figures out more and more and more who he is. He remembers what he cares about. Mm -hmm. And by the end of the movie, he, you know... uh, freeze all of the cattle and cancels the sale. Um, I should also note that in at the end of City Slickers, th- so this company has been, you know, just driving cattle back and forth between these two locations. But what they find out when they finally get to their destination is that the cattle that they've been bringing along is actually being sold off for meat. They're going to the slaughterhouse. Mm-hmm. And that was not what was advertised and it's done because it was too good of an offer to pass up. And, you know, it's like they, well, I should say Billy Crystal's character, uh, Daniel Stern's character and Bruno Kirby's character, like they went through really treacherous things, just the three of them to get these, the, this cattle to this other location. And they, really went out of their way to save lives, especially the life of Norman, uh, Mm -hmm. the calf. So when he finds out that it's, they're going to be used for, for meat, it's, it's a very sad moment. And when I was watching the movie up until that point, I was like, well, they're going through all of this. And then what are the, what's happening with these? And then when they confirm that it's going to be for meat, it's really, really upsetting. So 
And and then in the City Slickers 2, The Legend of Curly's Gold, there's a moment where they're joyfully eating beef jerky and uh, <laughs> Mitch included. So it's kind of like, and this is another reason why City Slickers 2 kind of forgot where it came from is because it's like, would he really be eating beef jerky? He is, you know, he lives with Norman. Yeah. Like that's like eating your pet. So. Well, not just eating your pet, but skinning. Oh, curing, yes. salting, like not. Well, yeah. that's the thing is they're talking about how beef jerky is made. <laughs> like that's yeah, what's happening. I, I, yeah, that's not. Uh, yeah, I, that's a cool. I, I like like if the idea is like, you know, he's brought out there by whoever the, uh, you know, the head of this this big company is. And I don't know who you get to play him like a, I don't know, Russell Crowe doing an accent or something or could be could be um but you have him saying like you know yeah all right you know we're gonna do this you know we're gonna do this cattle drive and then we'll sign the papers we're gonna go from like if it's like we're gonna go from my ranch in texas to my ranch in montana right and and that's and and my lawyers will be waiting that's a long way to go well i you know (laughs) what it is i've been reading lonesome dove and i want to say that that's kind of that's that's the ride that they're going to do. It's take, I'm, I'm planning on reading it, like committing myself to it this summer. Okay. But, <laughs> uh, so no, but you know, I don't know. They they're going to go from Texas to like Arkansas. Okay. You know, like South Texas to Arkansas, whatever it is, you know, it's, Oh, we'll go from my ranch here to my ranch there. And the lawyers will be waiting with all the papers. Yeah. And you know, I'm just imagining that scene at the end where all the nicely dressed lawyers are waiting there at the table and then it just everyone comes in a, a mess and yeah, there's there's well, Danny. Here's here's another idea. Uh, so at the end of City Slickers 2, The Legend of Curly's Gold, uh, so it has been revealed that the treasure map is kind of a hoax and it was just Curly's idea for bringing in new customers, like a new uh, adventure for them. And when that is discovered, uh, Duke actually lets Mitch know, by the way, this corner of the map that's like torn off, I have the missing corner. Like this was given to me by my mother. So like this map is real and that gold is right there. Like it's really close. So... If I remember correctly, it kind of leaves it on that a bit of a cliffhanger where it's just like, okay, so he's going to go out and uh, try to get the rest of this gold. And what if for the past 30 whatever years, he's just still been out there like searching for this gold (laughs) with, you know, with his buddies and um, and and in in my version of the of the third story, they cross paths and it's like, that's what makes him kind of take a turn. Uh, and also it kind of reflects city slickers to the legend of Curly's gold and, and also city slickers one at the same time, because in the first city slickers movie is it's all about finding yourself and, um, really coming out of your shell in mid in coming into middle age. And then in city slickers to legend of Curly's gold, it's pretty much about greed like it's yeah. really like got to get that gold like that's always what it's all about and 
it's kind of annoying to think about, but you blend those things to those two things together where it's like the greed is kind of taking over the, you know, finding who you really are and then kind mm-hmm. of switching that at some point. Like maybe he runs into his grizzled old Jewish <laughs> father out in the middle of nowhere. And he's just like, if I could do it all again, I would have, you know, forgotten about the map and, and left the goal. It's we, just going to be we Billy fine. Crystal in the Miracle Max outfit yeah. <laughs> from, from Princess Bride. Oh my God. That's wonderful. Um, so yeah, so that's Have fun driving the cattle. Oh my God. So that's, uh, <laughs> that's too perfect. So, uh, you aren't just here for puns. That's wonderful. So, yeah. uh, so that's what I got. That's what I got. I serve a purpose. Well, <laughs> I, 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 I actually, I think, I mean, I think they work well together. The ultimate question, you know, those two ideas kind of um, sync up both involving Danny. I guess the question is, is how how heavily evolved does Mitch is Mitch involved? I'd say, I think my story has ha, it's Mitch has heavy. more Mitch. Yeah. Yours is like Billy Crystal cameo. Crystal light level. Crystal light. Exactly. Crystal light. There we go. <laughs> so, <laughs> so uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and you know, Billy Crystal was certainly very active in especially that time in like the 90s and in the the late 80s. And um, since then, you know, he did the Monsters, Inc. movies as a voice, obviously. Mm-hmm. I hope that's obvious. And um, and aside from that, it's he hasn't done too much. He had a series with Josh Gad on FX. Oh, right. Yeah. I want to say. And I feel like he just pops up like he actually did that. He and Daniel Stern did that uh, video for Funny and Die where it was where it was City Slickers and Westworld. And it was like they were in the the Westworld labs. And, um, you know, he he he's doing the uh, the rawhide like he does in the first. Oh, yeah. These are the rawhide, the man, man, my ass is swollen bit like he's he's doing he's kind of doing all the old shtick. But what's funny is they're like, oh, he's a he's kind of a robot who's malfunctioning, which is why he keeps repeating the oh. same. <laughs> shtick. Well, and, and just to go back to what we were saying earlier, uh, and that's a great example, the Roland, 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 whatever man, my ass is swollen. Uh, that is a great joke that doesn't have to do with anything else, but it's a character moment that Mm -hmm. takes up no time. It lets you know like how seriously he's taking things and where he is. It's uh, setting up the fact that he's like not very comfortable. And then uh, later on in the movie, he's like riding a horse like crazy. And you know, it's like the, in the rapids. Oh my God. That scene in the rapids rapids to rescue. Really awesome. Yeah. Um, And also his friendship. With his two buddies. That's right. Yeah. I mean, this is this is classic Gans Mandel <laughs> stuff. Gandel, if you will. If oh, you boy. Will. Didn't you say that earlier? I might have. I probably okay. did. Yeah. Yeah. So we I've will. been putting together Ikea furniture all day today, oh. so my mind is mush. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that's, that's City Slickers. Yeah. So, I, I mean, you know, it, I don't think there's been any real talk of of any of this actually happening any type of sequel or or reboot but you know we always you know it's it's like with with scrooge you know you never you never know when someone's gonna say hey let's revive this 
property and you know i don't know they'll just probably remake it put a hemsworth in it and call it a day yeah i'd be okay with that i mean another thing to think about is like the movie's called city slickers uh yes the first two movies took place kind of in a wild west situation but it could be any type of non urban situation they could be on an australian walkabout like it could be something just i look dan i'm just kind of throwing things out they, there they could be on an australian they could be they could be um oh they they could be walking the um oh was it got el, el camino de santiago What's in that? spain it's like a it's a pilgrimage walk oh um, a couple of my co-workers have done it and and have talked about it so very cool yeah, I don't know. I I think though I like, but also if you if you if you go the old west route, you've got some opportunities with Jake Gyllenhaal for some Brokeback Mountain. This is callbacks. very true. Cast Anne Hathaway as the wife. Yeah, that's right. You know, or put it or put Anne Hathaway on or the on the trail with him. Have her be there. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. I mean, yeah, that's Hathaway the, doesn't have to be away. Oh boy, that's <laughs> that's another uh, another thing about the City Slickers movies is that they're so male driven uh, you mm. know it's just like a boys show so it would be nice to uh you know that would change include women that would well i mean i i feel like for if you're gonna if you're gonna do a city slickers set i mean yeah it's the the group has got to be you know it's they it's, had the one woman different. the attitude's different they had the one woman in first city slickers and um helen slater and she was like, it was very much present that she was just an attractive woman that was there. I mean, she did, she was Doesn't great. she hook up with Daniel Stern at the end or sure like, does. don't they? Well, it's, they it's like they kind of give each other a look and then you find out in City Slickers 2, Legend of Curly's Gold, that uh, they did have a romance, but because he was just in the middle of a divorce, it was just bad timing and whatever. So yeah. there's that. All right, city slickers. Well, and it's city and, and it is it is you know if if there's ever an occasion to check out City Slickers to the Legend of Curly's Gold. Once again, it is celebrating its 25th anniversary. Happy birthday this month. Uh, yes, Duke. I don't know. Um, and um, I do. I do. I do. By the way, remember where I saw both. Oh, of, please of tell everybody. And I know you've been wondering. <laughs> uh, so we'll, so I'll, I'll go backwards. City Slickers 2, Legend of Curly's Gold. I actually think I, I have the, the ticket stub in my collection from the New Park Cinemas in Roselle Park, New Jersey. Okay. And I remember seeing the original City Slickers at the Rialto in Westfield, New Jersey. And I saw it on one of those. It was like a you know sneak preview, like the the weekend before it comes out, right? So um, I re I remember going with some friends to go see that a little early. You saw it. You read about it in the paper. I saw it in the paper. Yeah, I saw yeah. it. In, you know, in the arts and entertainment section. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. There, please. There was no Fandango. I don't even know if there was like one eight hundred. Movie was it? Movie phone. movie tickets, movie phone. Right. What was the yeah. the, the commercial with like the little seven kid? seven seven film? Yeah, seven 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 film. Yeah, man. Oh, all you kids listening who never had to call a hotline to get movie show times, you're you're. I mean, you're better off. You're not missing anything. Dan, children are not listening to this show. <laughs> 
If children are John. listening to this show, then they have other then then they I'm just assuming they would know what movie phone was. John, I got news for you. There are, are young adults, not children, who will not remember movie phone. Oh, because that's sad. It's, it's 2019. So Well, maybe they've seen the episode of Seinfeld where uh Kramer has the number that's one number off from movie phone and you know Oh right. Yeah. That is that's possible. Yeah. Man, that's what's gonna keep there. the memory of movie phone alive, Dan. <laughs> so uh another thing that we're doing uh this month, uh aside from having our movies that came out in June in the past, um we are doing the we are recasting the main roles in June Squib movies. Uh you all know June Squibb. Uh, she's wonderful. She's been in a lot of things. You probably haven't noticed her so much, uh, with the exception probably of Nebraska, where she was nominated for an Academy Award and mm-hmm. uh, was was quite excellent. But she pops up in a ton of stuff. And um, on this episode, we're, we're, we're recasting the movie In and Out, uh, the Kevin Klein classic that I kind of go back and forth in my mind of like, could this thing hold up today? Uh, it is about a, it, you're right. Like it's about a person. It's pretty dated. It's pretty dated. It's about this guy who is a uh, high school teacher. He is engaged to uh, a woman played by Joan Cusack and they are, um, they are getting ready for their, for their wedding. And one of his old students is actually uh about to win or he wins an Academy Award and in his acceptance speech, he announces that his old teacher played by Kevin Klein is gay. And that is news to everybody. And including Kevin Klein, including Kevin Klein. And it's a kind of story of discovery and identity. And, um, we are not here to talk about what we would do differently with it. We are here to simply just recast the movie. Probably not have everyone not know how to interact with him once they realize, once they find out he's gay. Absolutely. Like Bob, that, Bob Newhart, I, as funny as some of it is, it's. And Bob Newhart's so good in that movie. Yeah. But yeah. Uh, still, we didn't recast that role, did we? No, we didn't talk about that one. Uh, the, the roles that I have are Kevin Klein's character. Uh, Matt Dillon's character, his former student. Um, there is a, a Joan Cusack's character, the fiance, and uh, there is a news reporter who comes to town. Uh, and spoiler alert: he and Kevin Klein's character, uh, he's played by Tom Selleck. I didn't know. I don't know if I said that, but they actually uh, kind of hook up and get to. Do they get together? I don't remember if it's. I- I think Selleck doesn't have his mustache in this one. Either. Does he not? I mean, that was a pretty big deal. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. I mean, I don't know. Maybe so those Kevin are the Klein roles. Wouldn't kiss those him were with the mustache. I don't know. Those were the roles that I uh, that I put down. Do you want me to go first, or do you want to go first? Go for it. Go for it. All right. So in the Kevin Klein role, I think that I would really enjoy seeing David Tennant. Uh, you know, from from Doctor Who, from season one of Jessica Jones. He's on uh, Good Omens on Amazon. Uh, he's he's delightful. I feel like he can pull off the kind of physicality of that type of character. Um, 
he's a very likable presence. And uh, I think he'd be really good for that. Uh, for the Matt Dillon character, the former uh, student who wins the Academy Award, I'm going Donald Glover for that one. Uh, who doesn't love Donald Glover, a.k.a. Childish Gambino? Uh, he's fantastic. And any opportunity that I could see him in doing something like this would be great. I mean, his background is in comedy. Uh I mean, it could be argued that Atlanta is a somewhat comedic show, um, yeah. but this, but his roots are in like sketch comedy. Oh, he used to do, uh, he went to Marist College actually and was, uh, did improv with one of, one of the guys who I did sketch and improv oh. with. Yeah. Okay. And it, yeah. And, you know, right around the time he, uh, I think his big break was community. Yeah. Right? Mm-hmm. Donald Glover. Yeah, he was in a yeah. sketch group called Derek, and um, mm-hmm. they did a movie called uh, Mystery Team. Mystery yeah, Team. Mystery Team. Yeah, which is fun. And then yeah, he was on Community, and it's kind of like, oh hey, this guy's amazing. <laughs> and then of course now yeah. he's like Childish Gambino, um, super talented. Yeah. F- for the Joan Cusack role, I'm uh, I'm going for it. Jen Robertson, who plays Jocelyn Shit on Shit's Creek. I, the Joan Cusack's character, what she's doing in, in and out is so phenomenal. Um, Mm -hmm. and she was nominated for an Academy Award. Oh my God. She, like, she's trying to just move ahead and plan this wedding. And she's like in denial about the whole thing that's going on. And I, you can just see it in her eyes that so much is going on in her head and mm-hmm. she's just like about to explode and uh Joan Cusack oh you're wonderful and uh Jen Robertson especially and I direct people especially to the show Shit's Creek please watch it if you haven't her character is very similar to that uh where it's somebody who is trying to always be polite and she's trying to say all the nice right things, but inside, you know that she's screaming and there are moments when she kind of just like blows a fuse and then kind of reins it back in and, uh, she is amazing. And Mm -hmm. then, uh, in the Tom Selleck role, I'm going to put Michael Shannon in there. I love Michael Shannon. I love Michael Shannon. I think he's wonderful. Um, I've talked about this before on this podcast. He's just, yeah. he's just good fun. And uh, I don't know. I think that he, he would play that role pretty well. I would love to see Michael Shannon in, in a comedy. I'm trying well, to remember, has he done comedy? I don't know. I've seen Other him. Other than Groundhog Day. Right. Yeah, that's true. I've seen him, um, in like real life doing, you know, actually just like being a super funny person. Uh, so I, I would absolutely love to see him doing comedy. I know that that doesn't, yeah. being a funny person doesn't mean that you can be a comedy actor, but, um, I, but I don't being know. Being a great actor means you can probably be a good comedy actor. Yeah. And you know what? He's been, he's been doing it long enough. I'm just going to look at his credits and see if there's anything that even comes close to being, uh, 
comedy. I mean, all I'm all I'm thinking of is the dark, like le- Revolutionary Road, Shape of of Water. Yeah, I'm Superman. <laughs> or sorry, Superman. Man of Steel. Man of um, Steel. Nocturnal Animals. Oh, well, actually, have you seen uh, Elvis and Nixon? He plays Elvis. I haven't, but I wanted. I I did want to see it. Who plays Nixon in that? Uh, that is Kevin Spacey. Unfortunately, that's why I haven't watched it. Yeah. Um, but it's, it'd be good to watch it just for Michael Shannon because not someone you would think would be a good Elvis, but like, he's pretty great. Uh, oh, he was in the movie. She's funny that way. Oh, he was also in, they came together, the David Wayne movie. Oh, I I still haven't seen that. Uh, it's funny. Paul Rudd, Amy Poehler. Yeah. I don't remember what his character was in that one, but, um, He's done comedy. So there you okay. go. Oh, Great. and he was also on the show Delocated. That's the John Glazer show with Eugene Merman where he's uh, John Glazer's character is in witness protection and he's always wearing a ski mask and his voice is always changed. And it's kind of like a reality show about being in witness protection and being completely disguised. Delocated? It's How so have I funny. not heard of this? It's so John, truly bizarre. John Glazer and what, Eugene Merman? Yeah, it's so good. Oh, um, so anyway, that's that's who I have in my recast of In-N-Out. Dan, who do you have? Okay, so um, I was thinking two different directions for the Kevin Klein character. If you were going to skew a little younger, um, Bill Hader or Adam Scott, I think could... Uh, play that very well, very believably, realistically. If you're going to go a little older, though, I think I would love to see Brian Cranston. I 100% co-signed Brian Cranston. Yeah, I think yeah. I, I would really love to see Brian Cranston do this, not just to see him playing a teacher again, but he's to just he's wonderful. He's wonderful. He's so good. And and very funny and like very adept at at um, comedic roles. Mm-hmm. So, but so that's where uh, so that's where I was going for for that. And then for the um, for the uh, Joan Cusack role, I was trying to remember uh, the name of the character. Um, so on the I guess younger end of it like an uh ad bryant from saturday mm-hmm. night live and uh oh i forget the name of her show on hulu but shrill it's, it's really good shrill yeah shrill and i think she does shrill is excellent shot in portland that's where i live mm-hmm. uh great show but in terms of in terms of what you have how you were describing joan cusack's performance i think that's something ad bryant uh could do really well uh-huh i I could see I could see Amy Schumer well doing just, well. You know, just uh, talking along the lines of Aidy Bryant, someone else who's you know one of her SNL uh, cast members who I think would actually be pretty good at that is Vanessa Vanessa Bayer. I think that oh. she'd also be really good. Yes, yeah, yeah. But I'm sorry, you're saying I mean, Amy yeah. Schumer. Very tough. Amy Schumer, um, Natasha Leone. Natasha Leone. Talk huh. about someone who's having a moment right now. Well, I Russian mean, doll. oh yeah, for sure. And, uh, it, and also talk, along the lines of Natasha Leone, another interesting choice for the Kevin Klein character would be Fred Armisen. 
Oh, oh yeah. Mm. <laughs> Fred Armisen. Fred Armisen would actually be really good in that. Or he'd role. be good in the Tom Selleck role. Yeah. And well, and now who I have in the Tom Selleck role is I think my top choice would be Idris Elba. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Yes. Uh, I second, I have, I wrote down David Harbour just because <laughs> I'm like, oh, D- David Harbour is good. <laughs> you can put him in things. Sure. I think I like Idris um, Elba better. Another person who I'd I, love to see doing comedy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and then for the, for the Matt Dillon role, uh, I was, I was actually, I was thinking Dave Franco. Uh-huh. Or uh, Adam Dave Franco, Driver. who came up in the last episode's recast for Scent of a Woman. Mm-hmm. So, like, Dave Dave Franco, uh, Adam Driver, mm-hmm. I think would be... Uh, that. I, I think that would be a, a good spot for him as yeah. well. Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I also really like the idea of Donald Glover. Who doesn't love Donald so. Glover? I'm totally, I'm, I'm totally down with that. In fact, I, th- I think I like the Donald Glover suggestion more so than Dave Franco. Ad- I wrote down Adam Devine. Oh yeah, eh. yeah, mm. yeah. Um, no, I feel no like offense. when Adam Devine is in something, it becomes the Adam Devine show. Right. Yes, yeah. that was my hesitation. Um, John David Washington. As in the Matt Dillon role, perhaps, uh, uh-huh. of Black Klansman. Black Klansman, right. Which I thought in that, like, I thought he was real. I thought he was actually pretty funny for a movie that wasn't necessarily, I mean, it, there was definitely humor in oh, that movie. Oh, sure. But I felt like I I really saw him doing, uh, doing more comedic, doing more comedic well, work. Well, yeah, he was the one in that movie who was doing all the comedic stuff everyone what else about, was yeah. what about michael b jordan michael b jordan I, I mean i put him in anything i think he's awesome like i i'm just i'm, I'm trying to think of some of of actors who i who i really like and could could use the opportunity to do something light so michael b jordan i the only other time i've seen him doing something that's like comedy um, what was the name of that movie? It was like that, uh, romantic comedy kind of thing, that awkward moment. And, uh, that awkward moment. Yeah. It's, uh, who else is in that? Zach Efron and Miles Teller. Okay. Yeah. So, uh, it kind of doesn't really, the humor and it doesn't come through as much as I think they would have wanted it to from his character. And I think that the Matt Dillon role in this movie is just the right amount of a comedic performance that Michael B. Jordan would be probably pretty good at. I mean, Michael B. Jordan is amazing. We've talked about him before plenty. Um, But for for this role, not someone who, you know, who, who, who we see in in comedies that we either see him, you know, in, in black Panther or in Creed or in hardball uh, or in, was he in hardball? He was one of the Keanu kids. Reeves. He was, yeah, no kidding. <laughs> Actually. And another, while we're talking about Michael B. Jordan movies, uh, Oh, Chronicle. Did you ever see Chronicle? You know, I haven't seen Chronicle. I got to watch that one. Great flick. Great flick about three high school kids who, 
are exposed to some like something, some weird stuff and they get superpowers and it's kind of like what would happen to to three real teenage boys if they Uh got superpowers, especially like what would happen to kind of like, you know, the school like the outcast, the the kid who gets picked on. So I know there's a movie right now that's kind of similar. It's a Brightburn. Oh, yeah. Not quite. It's kind of like what if Superman um, like came to Earth and decided to not save everybody and protect everybody. Uh, Brightburn uh, directed by David Yurevsky, who uh, I went to summer camp with. No shit. No shit. Um, (laughs) Genuine reaction. right? It's true. No idea. So, Dan, why don't you tell people what our next episode is going to be? All right, so next week we will be continuing our trend of discussing June releases, the big the big summer blockbusters, and we will be discussing 1990s Dick Tracy. Dan, I'm very excited because it means as I opposed, get to watch Dick Tracy. As opposed to 1999's Dick. There, that's true. Um, so Dick Tracy, Warren mm-hmm. Beatty, Madonna... Warren. It's what a cast Al Pacino, Al Pacino Hoffman. It's a crazy bananas movie. And we're going to talk about it next time. Uh, Very excited for our next June squib movie recast. We will be doing meet Joe black. Yes. I will be recasting the cars that Brad Pitt bounces off. (laughs) Uh, And also we're doing We're probably going to be doing our recast based off of uh, the trailer and any clips we can find online without having to actually watch the movie so no no offense to anyone involved um but yeah won't we have we have to watch dick tracy i don't have three hours for meet joe black is it three hours it is like i remember it being like a three hour extravaganza of like anthony hopkins brad pitt and claire forlani well, those are the people we're going to recast and not watch three hours of them. Uh, if anybody has anything they want to add uh, to the discussion, email us, ruinchildhoodspod at gmail.com. You're welcome to also send like a voice memo clip. We'll play it on the show. Um, or, uh, and slash, or follow us at ruinchildhoodspod on Instagram. Um, like I said, we're going to have some Lowell Gans and Babalu Mandel memes uh, that I have committed to making. <laughs> and uh, yeah, anything else you want to add, Dan? Um, no, no, that's I we have said all there is to say on the topic. I look forward to talking about Dick Tracy with you. And um, yeah, that's all I have to say about that, to quote the great Forrest Gump. <laughs> all right. Good journey, Dan. Good journey, John. them tumbling down pledging their love to the ground lonely but free I'll be found drifting along with the tumbling tumbleweeds cares of the past are behind no way to go but I'll find just where the trail will wind 
drifting along with the tumble and tumbleweeds. 